Heavenly Father, we thank you for uh, the gift of your word, the gift of your gospel. We pray, Father, that as we continue our study in the book of Romans, Lord, that your spirit would speak to us and that your word would ring true in our hearts and that we would be changed. We pray that you would open the ears of our hearts. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be always acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Amen. You may be seated. Andrew Brunson is a Presbyterian pastor and missionary. He and his wife, Noreen, lived in Izmir, Turkey, where he pastored Resurrection Church. And on October 7th, 2016, the Turkish government arrested him on false charges of terrorism and espionage. Pastor Andrew spent the next 12 years in a nightmare being bounced from one prison to another, often being denied visits. And at one point, he spent his days in a cell designed for eight people, along with 21 other inmates. Shortly after his arrest, my family began attending Christ the King Anglican Church in Birmingham, which was planted by a former professor of Pastor Andrew. So we prayed for him every single week. And the more we learned about him, the more captivated we became, including our children, how captivated we, the more captivated we became with his situation. Dylan, I remember, prayed every single night for Pastor Andrew. Well, Pastor Brunson was released from prison in October of 2018. And back in the United States, he was a busy man speaking and preaching everywhere. He preached at Christ the King Anglican Church in 2019, and Dylan was able to meet him. And I remember telling Pastor Andrew about Dylan's prayer every single night. And he thanked Dylan and asked if he could pray for Dylan. And as he prayed over my son, I remember smelling a faint scent. It was pleasant, but it was not overwhelming. It's not the smell of some kind of product or anything like that. It smelled natural, almost like flowers, you know? Now, I don't know what that was, but it was clearly coming from Pastor Andrew. And I've thought about that a lot since that day. Now, I've heard Pastor Andrew speak one other time. He preached at my graduation from seminary in 2021. And in that sermon, he warned us graduates that we would face great opposition because we carry the scent of Christ. Now, I don't know exactly what I smelled on Pastor Andrew that day, but I'm willing to bet that it was the scent of Jesus Christ. Well, our text this evening reads like a book of the book of Proverbs. Because it's a list of short little admonitions that grow out of the gospel that Paul has spent the last 12 chapters talking about. And his sort of thesis statement is that sincere love grows out of the gospel. Sincere love grows out of the gospel. Well, that's all well and good and something that we could certainly nod our heads to, isn't it? 
But when we face our ordinary, everyday lives of carpool, of work, of commutes, of meal planning, of mortgages, or when we face great trials and persecutions like Pastor Andrew, sincere love doesn't come to the forefront of our minds. And part of that is because I think if we're honest, we may not know exactly what love is or what it looks like. We may understand that we have a duty to treat others as we want them to treat us, but we can do that without sincerity. What we see in our text this evening is that our love for others is only as sincere as our love for God. Our love for others is only as sincere as our love for God. Well, next week we'll wrap up our whole series in the book of Romans. And so far we've seen that all human beings are under God's judgment and fall short of his glory. The gospel is that by faith we can be justified before a holy God because we are united to his son, Jesus Christ, by the Holy Spirit in our baptism. And we are now reconciled to God and no longer bound to a life of sin and to death. And the spirit of life who raised Jesus Christ from the dead has grafted Gentiles into the tree of Israel, which means that our existence is completely reoriented into a new reality. And unlike those Paul said way back in chapter 1 had dishonored their bodies, Christians are to offer our bodies as sacrifices of life, of living sacrifices, employing our God-given gifts in the church. In other words, we once belonged to the world of sin and smog, complete with its rank stench of death. But now we have been revived in God and carry the fragrance of Christ's presence wherever we go. So we begin our text in chapter 12, verse 9, where Paul says, Let love be genuine. Abhor what is evil and hold fast to what is good. So Paul begins this section with a command that serves as a sort of thesis of this whole section, which is to let love be genuine. And that covers the entire passage. Now, this word uh, translated as sincere, uh, we, we have it translated as sincere. But in Greek, it's the opposite of the word hypocrite. And the word hypocrite is a theatrical term. It's a, a term for the actors who are wearing masks. Um, sometimes it can be translated as genuine or sincere. Um, so it's this, this idea that we, we don't want to be two-faced in our love. We want to be true and sincere and genuine. And so what follows are a list of exhortations that require our sincerity, such as abhorring evil. Now, I've been a Christian, I think I counted, I think it's about 32 years, which is a long enough time to be repulsed by past sins. But there's some sins that still tempt me on a daily basis. And I have found that sometimes I truly, sincerely abhor these sins. But at other times, I sort of miss them. 
Now, as a new believer, I, it really bothered me. But after 32 years of walking with Jesus, with Jesus, I've noticed that the difference is how close I am to the Lord at any given time. It's when I've wandered a bit from the flock, when I put off prayer or just get really busy in life, that's when I miss sin the most and I'm most tempted. But when I allow my mind to be renewed through the reading and meditating of Scripture, by coming to Holy Eucharist, by being together with the body of Christ, and on and on it goes, the closer that I am to the Lord is when my evil and my sin seem most abhorrent. And that's when I cling to the good with the greatest of sincerity. It's also the case that the closer I am to God, the more fragrant I find my brothers and sisters in Christ. If you look at verse 10, Paul says, Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. Now, I know there's all sorts of cultural differences out there, and I know that some people are not huggers, while others of us are. That can change, by the way. If you're not a hugger, you can grow to be a hugger. I did. So anytime that we want to show affection to one another, there's a chance it's not going to be welcomed, right? In Africa, it's not uncommon to see men walking down the road holding hands. Now, in our culture, that means one thing, but in theirs... It's a sign of friendship. I'll never forget uh, my, my one trip to Ethiopia, uh, walking down a mountain and one of the Ethiopian ministers slipping his hand into mine. It was the weirdest, <laughs> it was the weirdest thing. I don't even think this brother spoke English, but there we were walking down the mountain together. It was as if he was saying, welcome to my space. I'm glad that you're here. I'm not saying that we need to go around touching one another. We don't want to get inappropriate, but my point is that brotherly affection, that is culturally appropriate displays of affection, are a way to love one another with sincerity. And outdoing one another and showing honor is another way. Why? Well, it's because every Christian is to be honored as one for whom Christ died. But again... This can be done without sincerity, which is why St. Paul says in verse 11, do not be slothful in zeal, be fervent in spirit, serve the Lord. That is, don't let your love and zeal for the Lord smolder, but keep stirring it up. And this implies that we have some sort of responsibility in the matter. So how do we do this? How do we stir up our zeal for the Lord. Well, I think Paul answers the question by saying, serve the Lord. It means that we stay close to the heart of God, doing those things that please him the most. Our psalm text this evening says, incline my heart to your testimonies and do not covet and not to covetous desires. Staying close to the heart of God begins with delighting in his word, his statutes, his testimonies, 
So read it. Study it. Meditate on it. Delight in the word of God. Not only that, but rejoice in hope and be patient in tribulation and be constant in prayer. That's verse 12. Now, all of this implies a conscious trust in the promises of God and his testimonies and his statutes in his word. It means that we have hope because of death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. It means that despite our tribulations, we will ultimately be delivered. It means that however weary we may get, prayer is the means to, of our intimacy with God. And all this stirs us up in our zeal up to serve the Lord, which leads to caring for one another. Look at verse 13. Paul says, contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. Now, remember that all of this grows out of a sincere love of God. We contribute to one another's needs, not because his love depends on us doing that, but because our love for him. Remember that he owns the cattle on a thousand hills. The lack of our brothers and sisters is there for us to supply. It's how we participate in Christ's gospel, in his kingdom. If he is our shepherd and we truly lack nothing, then we're free to part with whatever we have so that the saints have all that they need. But it's interesting that Paul attacks this word, this little phrase, seek to show hospitality. It implies that our needs are not just material needs. They're relational needs. We have relational needs. All the food and shelter and clothing and the world is not enough for us if we are isolated and alone. The point that St. Paul is getting at is that our union with Christ forms within us the sweet fragrance of Christ. And it produces in us a genuine and sincere love that cannot be manufactured. But this love isn't for the church alone. It spreads out into the rotting world of death that surrounds us, that we go into every single week. So in this next session, section, Paul moves us beyond the boundaries of the church and finds us in those ordinary situations of worldly relationships. Look at verse 14. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them. A uh, little story. I have a friend who was out running one evening after dark, and he was wearing some really short jogging shorts, you know, and that caught the notice of a group of young men uh, that, were, that he passed by. So when he passed, they started shouting insults and jeering at his attire. But as he did it, as they did it, he stopped. He turned toward them as they're making fun of him. He raised his hands like a priest. And he made the sign of the cross and prayed Aaron's blessing over them. Now, they were stunned. They didn't know what to do. And eventually, they took to mocking and crossing themselves in mockery. Now, this could have gone a number of different ways. 
My friend could have just kept running and ignored the whole thing. But something happened in the world that night. Something happened in the cosmos. Good was returned for evil. Now, those young men had no idea the stench of their jeering. But it was covered by the sweet fragrance of Jesus Christ, who blessed the very men who were persecuting and crucifying him. Now, this and millions of other examples like it show how the kingdom of God grows like a mustard seed, right? That is so small in the beginning, but becomes massive and offers shade and shelter. And so we rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. That's verse 15. That is, we enter into the joys and the sufferings of others. Because there's no place for jealousy within the church. There's no place for covetousness in the kingdom of God. We can delight when something good happens to others. We have no idea of the impact that rejoicing with others can have. And it's the same for those who weep. When we stop to enter the pain and the joys of others, rather than pass them by, we bring with us the fragrance of Christ because we have hope in the healing of the gospel. We're going to skip down to verse 17 where St. Paul says, repay no one for evil, evil for evil, but give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. If possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Well, here Paul spends the last few verses to talk about trusting in God's judgment and vengeance. He says in verse 19, Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God. For it is written, Vengeance is mine. I will repay, says the Lord. So when we stay our hands in the face of injustice and persecution, and when others wrong us and we respond like my friend did when he was jogging, we demonstrate two things. The first thing we demonstrate is that God is the only one who can judge humanity in righteousness. God is the only one who can judge humanity in righteousness. Now, this is very difficult for us. Scripture, of course, tells us to seek justice, but this is a little confusing in our day. The word often translated to refer to justice in the prophets really means righteousness. So justice and righteousness are indeed related, but they're not exactly the same thing in modern English. We seek and do what is right in God's eyes. If we seek and do what is right in God's eyes, we will be doing justice, but we'll also be seeking righteousness. The problem is when we make ourselves judges over other human beings and presume to know all that we need to know to exact vengeance and right all wrongs. In the little obscure book of Jude, there at the very back of your New Testament, we read this. Very strange. But when the archangel Michael, contending with the devil, was disputing about the body of Moses, he did not presume to pronounce a blasphemous judgment, but said, 
This is the archangel Michael speaking to the devil. The Lord rebuke you. Sometimes it can feel like we are the only ones who are bothered by the stench of injustice and social evils and even abuses in personal relationships. Paul says to live peaceably with all so far as it depends on us. So by all means, we seek justice in these relationships, but not vengeance. Only God can do that with righteousness. So when we stay our hands, when we're tempted to retaliate, we demonstrate that God is the ultimate judge of all things, and he does so with pure righteousness. But the second thing we demonstrate is that this ultimate judge is also a merciful judge. Look at the last two verses, verses 20 and 21. To the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. For by so doing, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. The theme of mercy has been woven throughout the book of Romans, which means it's a significant theme of the gospel itself. Remember that the good news is that Christ died for us while we were still sinners. That means that every one of us is here because God desired to have mercy on us. We were his enemies, and he fed us and gave us something to drink. Now, the reference to heaping burning coals is debated, but remember that the sign of repentance in the Old Testament was to sprinkle ashes on one's head. And the point here is that our kindness to our enemies spreads the fragrance of Christ's peace, which leads to repentance. Just like God's kindness towards us leads us to repentance as well. Well, you may be sitting here this evening thinking, there's no way I can do all of this. Now, I want to affirm that. There is no way that you can do all of this. Abhorring evil cannot be faked. Serving the Lord so that our zeal doesn't smolder cannot be achieved overnight. And weeping with the weeping, rejoicing with the rejoicing cannot occur without sincerity. And serving our enemies, well, when was the last time you saw that take place, let alone doing it yourself? Now, it's not that these things are impossible. It's just that God does them within us. We do not spend time, and if we do, we do not spend time in the presence of God and remain unchanged. What changes is our sincerity. We're transformed in the heart by the greatest act of love and mercy the universe has ever seen. That is Christ's crucifixion for us. And the more time we spend with the Lord, the more we carry his fragrance of life into the wasteland of death. Pastor Andrew preached at my graduation ceremony at Beeson Divinity School, and he humbly admitted that he almost failed. Prison almost broke him. He also said that while grateful for his freedom, 
he missed one thing about prison. He had never been as close to the heart of God as he was during those years. This, I think, was the case for St. Paul as well. So, friends, tonight I close with a simple admonition. Draw close to the heart of God. Seek his face constantly. Seek his kingdom first, and the rest will be added to you. You will carry the fragrance of Christ and his peace wherever you go. And remember, many will not like the smell, but those who are craving mercy will want more of it. At Mission St. James, missional mercy is one of our core values. And when we understand what we mean when we talk about the gospel, we as a church have the awesome opportunity to spread his fragrance about, not as hypocrites, but with sincerity of heart. So, grow close to him. Seek his face always. Amen. Heavenly Father, we pray that you would um, draw us closer to you, that the more that we spend in the light of your presence, the more we become fragrant, the more we smell like you, the delight of holiness is about us, that we might take that into the world. Lord, show us those who are in deep need of mercy, even our enemies, Lord. Father, right now, I pray that your spirit would bring to our hearts and our minds those enemies who desperately need a drink of water and a bite of food. And we pray that as we obey your commands, Lord, that your kindness works through your body, would communicate the gospel, and that new life would grow, would sprout. We ask that you would do this in the name of Jesus. Amen.